Hello, and welcome back to Current Account. I'm your host, Clay Lowry, the Executive Vice President here at the Institute of International Finance. On Current Account, I try to talk about what I see as the most important current issues in international finance and economics, while providing my own U.S. politics and policy angle on these different issues where it is relevant. This week, I wanted to revisit a topic that we have covered previously on Current Account, and one that has appeared again in the news, which is how to deal with digital assets. Now, we've covered digital assets before in a few different types of conversations. We talked about the crypto winter, which was actually last summer, the fall of FTX, which was last fall. And then earlier this year, I talked about where I thought there's possibilities for bipartisanship. And one thing I noted was there was a possibility, and by the way, let me say that it wasn't a huge possibility, but a little possibility of legislation around digital assets. Well, in the last week or two, we've actually seen some things that we thought were important to update our audience on. Both of them may be not related, although they may be related. So let me just say what they are. First was the SEC, which stands for the Securities and Exchange Commission, has filed lawsuits against two different firms. First is Coinbase, who, in full disclosure, is a member of the IIF, which is the largest digital asset exchange in the United States. And the second is Binance, which is the world's largest cryptocurrency trading platform. And the SEC claims that both companies are operating illegally, although in very different ways. The second point of interest was the release of a draft bill by the House Agricultural Committee and the House Financial Services Committee, so both the chairs who are Republicans, basically put out a bill to try to deal with digital assets. And the House Agricultural Subcommittee held a hearing last week on such a proposed bill. So let's kind of talk about those two issues. I'm not an attorney. And frankly, if I was to talk about the different cases at the SEC, I would just essentially be misleading you. So I'm not going to go into the details of those cases. Instead, I want to take a step back and look at what it kind of means in terms of policy and essentially regulation. So one of the big issues that has been being discussed, actually, there's two big issues. One is the issue of regulation versus enforcement. And the other is what is a commodity and what is a security? The first one is there is no common regulatory framework in the United States that at least at this point in time is agreed upon on how to deal with digital assets. So the SEC in some respects has at least promulgated that the way that they are getting toward regulation is by using enforcement actions. And so these two cases would go towards that theory. Now, I will say that the SEC has voiced that they would also like to see a regulatory framework, but they also feel like I have to deal in real time. And so we're going to do this through enforcement action. The second is a very different issue, which is the difference between a commodity and a security. Now, if you didn't shut off this podcast once you heard that lovely, very fascinating topic, then let me try to explain it. All right. The reason why this is important in the United States context, at least, is that commodities are regulated by a group called the CFTC, and securities are regulated by the SEC. A commodity, in very simple terms, is a basic good that has intrinsic value. So it's a store or a value. 
that can be bought, sold, traded, or exchanged. So the CFTC tries to regulate those exchanges and how that's done. The SEC, on the other hand, regulates securities. Now, securities do not have intrinsic value. Instead, they yield return from a common enterprise. So it's based on the performance and value of that entity that is yielding return. That is where a security becomes. Now, it's obviously a lot more complicated than that, but that's kind of some basics on it. Digital assets are different because they're decentralized, so they are not that common enterprise sometimes, but sometimes they also feel like the value is based on not necessarily intrinsic value, but instead on the value of their performance. So how do you deal with that? And this is a big issue that the United States is trying to figure out right now. You've had some people have said, we need to have a very separate regulator from either the CFTC or the SEC. That doesn't seem like it's going to carry the day. I think that right now, it looks like we're trying to figure out how do you deal with the current regulation or regulatory bodies that we have. So this leads us back to the House bill that, the again, the Republicans have put forward. So earlier this year, I thought that there was a chance for bipartisan compromise on something like this. Part of that was based on it's not a highly partisan issue. Part of it is it's, it's actually quite technical. And so everybody seems to agree that we need something. We need some sort of a framework. Part of it was based on in 2022, we saw bipartisan attempts at coming up with legislation, both in the Senate and in the House, and from people from very different ideological stripes who basically thought that this was the way to go forward. Now, in many respects, this blew up when FTX blew up. Question was whether or not could a bipartisanship come back together again or not. And the jury on that is still very much out. There are clearly people who are very, very concerned that digital assets should be regulated in a very tough, robust way because it just doesn't really make sense and it could create problems for the financial system as well as for consumers. There are others who think that we need to have regulation, but we need to basically frame it in a way that allows for innovation and opportunity, but at the same time does not create a financial stability problem down the road. The House bill tries to address this by trying to define when a digital asset should be in front of the CFTC and when it should be in front of the SEC. And a lot of this comes down to how much will it be decentralized. All right, now what the heck does that mean? All right, so decentralized goes towards that point I made about a security, which is about a common enterprise. So in some respects, Bitcoin, which is sort of the original digital asset, is actually seen as a commodity. And that's because it's finite and it has technically intrinsic value. I know that it trades all over the place, but it has intrinsic value. And even the SEC has said Bitcoin should be regulated by the CFTC. However, there are other currencies that don't seem to have these characteristics. The House bill by the Republicans is a serious attempt at trying to figure this out by putting together a test to try to get towards whether it should be the SEC or the CFTC. Now, it seems to me that the Republicans lean towards, and maybe this is because of agricultural issues, it's not totally clear to me, but they seem to lean towards they would like to see most of this regulated by the CFTC. 
it's way too simple to say the Democrats just think it should be regulated by the SEC. I think that their truth is somewhere in the middle. The question will be is, do the Republicans leave enough room for the Democrats to feel like they can shape this bill and then it can be bipartisan? I actually still remain slightly, and I do have to underline that word, slightly optimistic that there is enough room because I think it is a serious bill. And I think the Democrats could take it seriously and try to move it forward. The problem will arise, which is, uh, well, there's a variety of them, but one of the problems will arise, which is it's very complicated and technical and it's hard to do. Second, there is a lot of negativity towards digital assets. Again, some of that comes from this, what happened with FTX, but there's been other issues as well. And third, of course, the closer we get to a presidential year, the harder it becomes to get bipartisan agreement on anything, even something as technical and at least theoretically as apolitical as this. Other countries have been also struggling with these issues. The Europeans have laid out a framework for trying to deal with digital assets that's actually going through their system right now, which seems much further along than where the United States is. Japan has done this as well. So the U.S. in some respects is a little behind on these issues. And so now it's just a question, where do we go from here? And I don't have the right answers here. I have a number of questions. Those questions include the SEC versus the CFTC. Is that really an argument or can those two entities actually deal with each other and figure out better compromises and how can they deal with Capitol Hill? Is this SEC's enforcement actions, are they legit or could they lose? They, remember, they can lose in court. And so how do the courts actually play a big role in trying to figure this out? Republicans versus Democrats. Am I right that this could be a bipartisan issue or does this devolve into partisanship? The Senate versus the House. The House of Representatives has put forward a bill under Republican leadership. Could the Senate come up with something, or is the Senate actually a little more concerned about these issues than the House? And then finally, is the role of the executive branch itself. The Treasury Department, which is usually kind of the lead on issues like this, has been kind of relatively silent. Secretary Yellen, about a year ago or so, said that we need to have a regulatory framework. Okay. Well, the House of Representatives Republicans just put forward something. Should they be engaging and should they be dealing with it? Or are they going to sit back and just allow regulators to regulate by enforcement? All of these are big questions and we'll only see going forward. Now it's time for my three, two, one. That's my three main takeaways from this podcast. Two things that I'm looking forward to and my one sports back. Here are the three main takeaways. First, there is no regulatory framework for digital assets. Almost everybody has said we have to come up with one. The House Republicans have put forward a a serious bill, and we'll find out whether or not Democrats can start working with them and they can come up with a way forward on that. Second, in the meantime, we are seeing regulation by enforcement, as we've seen the SEC take pretty serious action against a number of firms over the last few weeks and few months. Is that the way we are going to continue to go forward? And third is a number of players haven't actually weighed in so much. We haven't seen that much from the Senate, and we frankly haven't seen that much from the Biden administration itself outside of their regulatory agencies. The two things I'm looking forward to. The first is 
pretty easy to understand and kind of the more of the political one, which is do Democrats engage with Republicans and vice versa to try to actually see a path forward on a regulatory framework? The second is much more of a markets issue. Could this uncertainty that the United States is promulgating actually lead towards firms and investors taking their money and going elsewhere to try to figure out how to handle the digital asset market? I think that's something we should be looking at very carefully. And now my one sports fact of the week. It is the biggest story in my mind in golf, and I know I am not talking about the PGA Tour and the LIV Tour having a merger or whatever that thing is. Instead, I'm talking about the thing I meant to talk about last week, but I talked myself out of it and I'm kicking myself for it. So I'm going to talk about it this week, which is the rise of a woman named Rose Shang. She is, by most people's assumption, the most accomplished U.S. amateur in women's golfing history. She won the U.S. Amateur. Obviously, that's been done before, but it is considered the, the biggest accomplishment. She's twice the NCAA champion. That has never been achieved before by a woman. She was number one in the nation in terms of amateurs for three years running. That's, again, something that's never been heard of before. But maybe what was interesting to me is how successful she's been as an amateur and in college. And when you look at that versus the men. so. I think in the top 20 professional golfers in the world of women, only one of them went to college. The rest of them came up through different mechanisms. On the men's side, it's very different. The two best golfers in the world right now, John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler, both went to college. Maybe three of the greatest men's golfers ever, Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods, and Phil Mickelson, all were NCAA champions, and all of them were U.S. amateur champions. In Rose Shang's case, she's different because she did it through college. And then, just very interestingly, her professional debut was last week. What did she do? She did something that had not been done in 71 years. She won. She actually was the first person in 71 years to win her debut on the LPGA Tour. This suggests when people say she may have been the greatest amateur ever, well, guess what? Maybe she's on her way to being one of the greatest professionals ever. Who knows? She's only one tournament in, but she's one for one, which in golf terms is amazing. Anyway, that's it for this week. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback on the show as we constantly look to improve and enhance the experience for you, the listeners. We can be reached at podcast at IIF.com. All our episodes of Current Account can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening, and goodbye.